anyway, what I said to you a couple of weeks ago today, what I want to do is just kind of catch us up with what God has been doing over the, the last while with us as a church community. And um, it's uh, been a lot on the go. What I've, what I've realized something is that I don't know either I'm slow or stupid, but sometimes it takes a long time just to actually realize, sure, God is actually saying these things and getting the clarity of them. You know, and what I'm going to speak through this morning, you'll see that reality of that it takes time for things to massage. You don't just get the picture and go, oh, okay, yeah, it's all got it, and then go. It massages in your soul and in your spirit as you start hearing God speak and leading and guiding us. But as I speak this morning, I want us to make sure we look at things from the perspective of heaven, okay, down. Not trying to get and do something, but from a perspective of how God is looking and how God is seeing these things rolling out in our hearts. And I, I love this verse in uh, Psalm 103, verse 20. It says, Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Heaven is very active. The spiritual realm is very active. There are, there's been times and seasons where the church is trying to make this out that there's nothing out there, relax and stuff. There's a spiritual realm that is well and alive. Okay, good and the bad. And you have the good side that's walking and working with you. And the angels that are around are activated by the word of God. It says there, the mighty ones who do his word, speaking about the angels, obeying the voice of his word. As God's word goes forth, they are set into motion to set things in order. Daniel's a great example of his praying and calling out to God and speaking to him. And there was an activity in the heavenly realm before the angel came and spoke with him. So you have that over your life. We have that over this community as we keep pursuing and looking back. And I remember, it's probably about 20 years ago, I had this vision in a church meeting, I think it was. And I was taken up and I kind of seeing things. But I saw in heaven all these different buildings with names of different churches and ministries. Like there was place that, and, the, and I went into the building of the bay. And there was a lot of angelic activity, like around a table and papers, and they're all working and planning and setting things in order. That's what's happening right now. There's things happening around that are setting things in order for us to pursue the things, what God is setting for us. And we spoke a lot about, over in Company of Prophets this last weekend, previous weekend, about what's written on your scroll. What's, what's written in your book? You know, God's got a plan that He set out for you. And your agreement to the predestined life that he's got is walking into the plans that he has for you, his fulfillment, and for life that he's got for you. But there's a scroll that he's got written for the bay. And it's for us to walk in the obedience of what that is. Not our own agendas and own plans. Oh, well, you think it'll be a good idea to do that. No, no, it's what God's got in store for us to walk in fulfillment and the fullness of what he has for us as a people. And it's the, it's the best place to be. Instead of our own agendas, running around doing what we want to do. And it's in this place of the vision, of the mandate, and the assignment that God has placed on our hearts to run with. And we have to see it from heaven's perspective. Because when we see it from earth, we're going to be overwhelmed with the reality of what we have to walk into. And Morton, I know, he's felt that. It's, it's a real thing. He's felt overwhelmed by the reality of what is, what is ahead of him. If you've not felt overwhelmed by the reality of what's ahead of you, you're too comfortable. And you've got to see the bigger picture of what God's got on your heart and your life and how he's walking you into the fullness of what he has for you. And we've been talking quite a bit through John 5 where Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. 
Not what he heard, like I said, the line, it would be a lot easier if he had said, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But what he saw the father doing, what are you seeing the father doing? What are you seeing? Do you see the times? See the times in him? See the changes, the shakes that are going around the world? What is the father doing? He holds all things in his hands. See what is, and we respond as the people bringing the answers to what God is calling us to do. And I want you to see, and I love this word, the, see the golden thread that I'm speaking now through what we're going to be saying over the next little while. Don't, there's a lot of words, there's a lot of things we're going to say, but see the golden thread of what God has been saying to us as a people that he's calling us out. Saying, will you be those guys? Will you be those people that will set your lives apart for the things of God? And I think just Ray, your word of confirmation on our hearts this morning. He sees our hearts. He sees the love in our hearts. He sees the pure, genuine desire to serve God as king. Yes, there's always things that happen in our world all around us. Ups and downs. That's a normal thing. But he sees our hearts as we press in and we desire his presence and what he's doing for us. So if you're visiting here this morning, I apologize if it's a little bit local in what we're saying, but this is what God has been saying to us. And if you're going back to your communities, keep running with a kingdom mandate, a kingdom understanding of what God is doing in the church in these days. He's breaking the walls down. He's breaking down these little huddles that are all sweet and nice. And we're all so cozy and happy. There's a dying world out there crying out for the answers of what God is desiring, putting the hearts of people. That's what we want to so I'm going to walk through, um, can we just pop that PowerPoint up there, Shane? Um, walk through this yeah, this morning and just help, trust God and help us. This line came to me as I started putting this PowerPoint together. He did not bring us out this far to take us back again. I don't know if you experienced that, but you kind of get to some point, you're thinking, really? Like, doesn't feel we've made any ground. Like, sure, but you know what? He won't bring you this far just to take you all the way back. And this is the story from the Exodus. He didn't bring you out. Now he's going to put you back in there. But now you're moaning and you're grumbling in this place because it doesn't work out like you thought it was going to happen. But God has brought you out. I mean, the song, I don't know, we used to sing that song. We all used to walk around like Egyptians in church. I was a kid. (laughs) You you remember that one? He did not bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us into the promised land. Though, Though there be giants in the land, we will not be afraid. Good words, but weird actions. Walking around like Egyptians. As a kid, there was always that like, okay, this must be normal. But then you grow up and you're like, that was just weird. <laughs> Walking around like an Egyptian in church. That's pretty strange. Anyway, if that means Egyptian. I mean, I assume it does. On the, on the dance floor, you know, that would be like. But the verse that we've ba- built things on here in the life of this church, right from the very beginning, which is still a foundation to us, is Zechariah 4, 6-7. It says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirits is the Lord of hosts. And who are you, O great mountain? Take, take heed of that word mountain right there. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Meaning things that were high and unattainable have been made low. And he shall bring forth the top stone amid shouts of grace. Grace to it. And the top stone is the top stone that was put on top of the building, finishing off the building that was been set in place, saying Grace. Grace, this was not done in our own strength. This was not done by all our good our imagination and ideas that we put together. We're so clever. It was the grace of God. Amen. By His Spirit, we've got this far. And I'm telling you, over your own life and over us as a community, He hasn't brought us out this far, that we should just go back again. We keep moving forward. We keep progressing. And what I want to do this morning is I want to paint a picture. I used this a little bit through Company of Prophets last Saturday 
of um, the story of Moses in Exodus. Exodus 3 and the whole process of Moses leading up to this point and how God used him. And I, this, I'll just summarize the, the story quickly so we're just all on the kind of same page. You know, you understand how Moses was born at a time when Pharaoh wanted to make sure that all the males were killed at that age because these Israelites were taken over. And there's, there's a beautiful passage there. They were afflicted, and it says they, was, they, they, they multiplied plenty. It's interesting, in affliction, there's great multitude. Africa's like that. There's just a lot of people. Look at India. Look at China. The, there's just there's oppression, and the, the people multiply. It's interesting how that ends. That same thing happened over Israelites, but God had a plan that he had set in order and set in place with all this. And how Moses was born in the midst of this, yet God had a plan for him. God saved him out of this whole process that he would put in a little reed in the bushes, in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter happened to be bathing there and sees the little baby and rescues him. I'm always amazed at how all the other kids, and then she calls the mother and says the mother to the mother to Moses' mom to nurse him. Now, how wasn't he killed with all the other babies? Because <laughs> she calls the mother and the, the mother then knows it's her child and she says, go away and nurse him. God, God had a plan. He protected him through this whole process. And Moses' life, we understand how he grew up there. And there came a day, he was around about 40 years old, when he came out and he overlooked all of his people. And I said on Saturday, last Saturday, how, at what point did he realize he was an Israelite? Yeah. Not, not an Egyptian. Did it look different? Maybe, I don't know. But at some point he realized that he was not part of this house. Maybe his mom realized and showed him that place. Here comes my one and only son, Buddy. Welcome back. You just you want to hear Dad preach? That's what you want to do, eh? Sit with Granny and Auntie Patty. There's always got sweets for you. They'll keep you entertained. Yeah. He had a he had a moment during the worship, but I, and he's sitting there and he's and I realized, and he was like, wait a second, I haven't spoken to Patty yet. He shifts morning, Patty, and now comes the Easter egg. Unbelievable. Anyway, thank you, Patty. Yeah. And so at, at some point he realized he was an Israelite. And he looked over the people, and he, and he was burdened by the affliction that his people were under. And then he sees these, these Hebrew guys fighting this, Isra- uh, this um, Egyptian, and he steps over and says, hey, stop it, and he murders the Egyptian. And then a little while later, he comes and sees these two Israelite guys fighting, and he says, hey, guys, guys, stop, stop, stop. And they said, like, what are you going to do to us, what you did to the Egyptian? And he suddenly realized, oh, my word, someone saw that I'd murdered someone and buried him in the sand, and he fled. And he ran into the desert, and then he met uh, family, and he got married, the whole process. But it comes to this point, where he's roaming around in the wilderness, tending to the sheep, and he notices a bush burning. And understanding, you see, in those times, and around that time, probably still today, it's that hot, bushes would just self-combust. It was a normal thing to see a bush burning. But there was a point where Moses looked at this bush and saw that it was not being consumed. So he realized something's different here. And I think it's the same for us. He was, he was intrigued by what was going down here. It's the same for us with the things of God. When he calls you, he will put something in your path. He will look you to draw your attention to it. It'll look like I've seen this over and over again. I've been there, done that. But he was intrigued by this bush that wasn't being consumed. And by him take, giving it attention... God then spoke to him out of the bush. I think that's a key little moment there for us to realize in our own hearts. But as a community, what God's saying, he's gripping our attention. And it looks the same. I've been there, done that. 
But he's calling something out of us and saying, people, will you be the answer to what I'm wanting to work through on this earth in these days? And in that moment, nowhere does it say anywhere in the word that Moses had spoken to God prior to that moment. Nowhere do we know that Moses communed with God. I'm sure he understood as an Israelite and part of the process who he was, but that was the moment God spoke to him. Have you had those moments where God calls you out and says, my son, my daughter, this is the plan I've got for you. This is what I'm calling you out to be. And in that moment, in that conversation of that bush, God laid the whole picture out to Moses saying, I want to use you to set my people free. I've heard the cry. The cry has come to my ears. I love that verse. It says, it's come to my ears. I now have heard the cry of my people, and it's time for me to respond. It took 400 years. God's timing, it's His timing. You see, and we try and rush things. We live in an instant world. Come on, God, set us free. Let's go, I want more. Wait. God's timing. Just at the right time, He will come through. Like Pete Gregg says, it's, it's funny how God does the suddenlies in our lives, but it takes a long time for a suddenly to happen. Okay? Waiting, waiting. Bam. And then you'll have different opinions. Some, oh, no, they hurried it. They rushed it. No, no, we've been holding and waiting this for ages. That just, bam, 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 worked out. God did it. In that moment of talking to Moses, God poured out the whole picture for him. He said, I've heard the cry of the people. I will deliver them from the hand of the Pharaoh. From Pharaoh. I will deliver them from the land of Egypt. I will give them a, a good and, and, and broad land. And all the Hittites, the Hittites, the Israelites, the Canaanites, the everybody there. There will be a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, go and gather the elders, speak to them, and then... I love it. He says, to all the, he says, tell the women to take gold and silver from all those who live around them and uh, the people living in their houses from their neighbors. Plunder the Egyptians. Take it all and go. God paints the whole picture for him. Right, the final result. That's what it's going to be. And he asks him, How will, what sign will you give me that you are with me? And this is where he speaks about I am, the great I am. But he says in verse 3, verse 12, he says, but I will be with you, he said, this is the sign, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And I just think it's beautiful how he gives him the picture of, go and do all that stuff. I'm painting the big picture for you now. Okay, there's a lot that's going to happen here. But when you know it's me, you're going to come back and you're going to worship me on this mountain again. It always brings you back to a place of where God first spoke to you. And what's the key places? Honor and worship to the Almighty God. Not about how great we are, not about what we achieved. It brings you back to your knees, thanking God for who He is and what He's done in your life. Through all the years of obedience that you've walked into what God's plan is for you and what we're walking to us as a community. Powerful signs He will also give you. And He, and he showed him a few things. He says to him, throw your staff on the ground. He throws his staff on the ground, turns into a snake, he runs. Picks it up the back puts his hand in his, in, his, in, his, in his cloak, comes out, it's leprous. And then uh, he speaks about putting water from the Nile on the ground and it turns to blood. Those powerful signs, he only gave him the first three of what he'll show, what God will do, and the rest was by faith. God painted the big picture for him, and he says, these are the things I'm going to do. He didn't know about all the others, the plagues, but he just God gave him a glimpse of saying, I'm with you. Now I think Moses' time... When he uh, gets in front of Pharaoh eventually, and he throws his staff on the ground, and it turns to a snake, he's like, yeah, check that, eh? <laughs> Bet you couldn't do that. And then they did. 
He's like, well, you know, okay, all right, that was good, good one, guys, good one. I got another trick up my sleeve, okay? There are going to be moments of doubt, and you've got to be so assured that God's spoken to you because you're going to have these moments of testing where it's going to look, oh, okay, God, this has got to be you <laughs> because you're talking a big game here, okay, like they just matched exactly what I did, and then I love it, it says like his, his snake ate their snake. <laughs> Bam, gobbled it up. And then he did another thing. And then their magicians did it. And then they turned the water into blood as well. I mean, think of the stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then he did a, I think it was the first, the second plague. And they couldn't, they couldn't do it. Suddenly the, the game started changing. Because God Almighty was showing him strong. And that whole process with Pharaoh is very interesting. There's one line that keeps being said there. And God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Who's, who's holding this whole process here? God's got it all. It's just obedience and trust. But he's desiring us to walk it out in faith and trust of what he's got in store for us because he gives you the end result, the end picture, and says, okay, now run. Go for it. But all the little steps in between, he does all the little miracles and all the things of trusting him by faith. And this is where we've spoken about that word in Opium, where Moses spoke to face to face to God in Exodus 33. And he says, Lord, show me your glory. His desire was to see more. The more we see, the more we love. The more you see, the more you love. His desire was just to see more and more of the glory of God. But all the things that had to happen, getting up to that point, needed, he needed to know his Savior. He needed to know his God. And Steve Morris asked you a question a couple of weeks ago. Do you really love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Because when you've got to walk through all those trials, they'll help you through because you know you've got a, a Father in heaven and a Savior that will help you through every circumstance, even when it doesn't look like it's going right or well. Or they also produce a snake out of a staff. Or they also turn water into blood. It's like, geez, God, where's the balance here? But He's for you. He's with you. I was going to read Hebrews 11. I love this, this passage, and it says, this is the faith, the heroes. And it says from verse, um, by faith, Abraham, he's, he's, he's before Moses. There we go. Verse 23, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was, child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Are you afraid of the standards in the world today and how, what's going to happen in South Africa? Um, you, they weren't afraid of the king's commands. We're not afraid. We, we're people that don't live by fear. Okay? Because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused, that's strong, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Are you going to refuse to be labeled who you think you've been told you are? Or are you going to walk into what God's called you to be? Yeah, but, but uh, all my whole life people have said this about me. Really? Is that God's plan for you to believe the lie that's been spoken over you? By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, cho choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, I love this line, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The Egyptians loved life. They lived it to the full. They gave it everything. But he saw something else and saying, and he wanted to live a life that served his great, great king, great maker. He considered the reproach of Christ greater 
wealth and the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea on the dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. And then it goes on. In this, it's like in the same paragraph. And then by faith the walls of Jericho fell. It's like it's just changed generations in a paragraph. Oh, yeah, it was done. Next, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. Wow, beautiful. So God has been speaking to us as a people over the years in this community. And what I've noticed is that as God has he's given these words to us over the years of what he's saying is that almost, you would have heard me said this many times, gather the army, align your hearts, okay? Align with the purposes of what God has got and called for us. Consolidate, meaning learning to operate from rest. All the things that happen around you, let the rest come. 2017, it was time to build the momentum, build the household of God, as it speaks about in Ephesians. 2018, it's training, equipping, and empowering. We had a Bible school start that year. Interesting, eh? Get into the Word of God. There's more of that coming, of what God is building to us. In 2019, we felt God say, kingdom mobilization. And these words, they might, yeah, okay, but that's awesome, that's great. But what they do is they don't disappear. They cause the foundational process. And what you realize is, they didn't just happen straight away. It was like a molding and a shaping of the aligning of our hearts is still happening. It's still a process that God's working in us. He's teaching us what it is to live from rest. He's teaching us what it is to be equipped and trained for the things of God so that we can go out with answers and solutions into this world. Not sitting back going, well, I love doing this, but then you just squander your life doing your own thing and then come back on a Sunday and be religious. It's a whole lifestyle. That God's calling us to be this. And these words have been undergirded by the unforced rhythms of grace. (laughs) There's no trying hard. There's no forced heavy yoke weight on us of like, come on, you need to do this stuff. It's not a heavy burden. It's the grace of God that enables us and empowers us to do the supernatural and beyond our own self things that allow in the things of God. That's what's important. And the key, you see, with all of this, we can speak all these amazing things what God's saying and building into us. But there's a, there's a rootedness that comes, that when you're grounded and rooted in the love of God and linked to the body of Christ, there's an understanding that gives you a foundation to go out and to be a blessing into the world, into your everyday life. Okay? And I made some notes here. I read through all my dreams that I've had over the last year and a half. It was not even a year and a half. It's probably just a year and two, three months. I've had probably 55 significant dreams in just over a year. And like, I think God's speaking. Can I, can I go to sleep now, please? You know, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot that God's been speaking to us. And I wrote this note. It says, if you're not convinced about what you live and carry for God, anything is God. If you're not convinced by what you live and carry, you've got nothing to offer other people. Or get them saved into the experience that you've had in God. If it doesn't grip you, you've got nothing to offer people. It needs to be a place where you've found life. When you've tasted of life, it just flows over. You don't have to try. Because you've seen the one. The one Jesus who's gripped your heart. Now I want to do a little bit of a test with you guys. What's that? Spark plug. Very good. Okay. It is an easy one. 
You can see exactly what it is. So clearly a spark plug goes in a car. Okay, so see the lane we're going on here. Okay, I'll give you the easy context. There it is. Wow, well done, guys. Spark plug. Okay, here's the lane. Next one. Come on, Neil. What's that? Jane, what's that? Eh? It's, in, it's in a car. It's in, you know it's in a car. Okay, thing, thingamajig. Close. Okay, a few of you said it. That is an alternator. Well done. Richard, you got it there. Quick and easy. You're not a mechanic, eh? No. Okay, so what I'm seeing now, these are just parts of a car. Okay, spark plug, parts. You probably probably get this one too. What's that? You got it? No? Anyone? Dale, what's up, bro? Hey? Brake light? No. That is a fuse. Wow, look at that. Okay, but those, those are just parts of a car. Okay, so how... Okay, so taken out of context, okay, they're just lying separately. How, what worth are they? Just the spark plug lying on the floor. Is that going to start the car? Okay, alternator just lying loose. It's, the battery's not going to get charged. And there's that funny little fuse box when your lights don't come on at night. You understand why? Because the fuse is blown. Okay? Those are just parts of the car. So it takes the car as a whole to understand the function of each part. Okay? And it takes all the parts to make a car function. Now, you can have everything except two front wheels, and you'll go nowhere. You can have everything, but not put petrol in the tank, and you'll go nowhere. So it is with Christ, says in Corinthians, each of us is a part of the body of Christ and has a particular function. But it takes the body of Christ to understand the function of the part. And it takes all parts to make the body function. See, that's useless, that car. Lying, it's probably 500 pieces. Okay? All scattered around. It's worth nothing. You get a spare parts shop. There's no spare parts churches. I don't fit here, I'll go somewhere else and be a spare part. I'll read this line again. It takes, the car a, it takes the car as a whole to understand the function of the part. And it takes all the parts to make the car function. So if you're struggling to figure out how God wants to use you, the possibility is that you're examining yourself outside the context of being needed. So you're trying, this is what you're trying to do. You're trying to say, how do I fit in? Instead of saying, what part am I and what function do I have to play? See that, see how, see that easy little shift there? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey guys, hey guys, I'm petrol. <laughs> like, can I fit in with you guys? Like, what are you guys going on here? It's so awesome. I want to be part of you. Yeah, okay, bro. Just be who you are. Okay. <laughs> Burn in the car and make us go forward. Left wheel, do your job. 
the function we all play together makes up the whole. And I know many of you say this, well, what can I do? Well, don't ask me, ask God. He's the head. Speak to Him. I, I, really, I really believe that is a, a deeper process the church has to help our people with. Pastor, 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 what, what can I do? Speak to Jesus. He will help you. He will show you. Yes, we'll lead and we'll guide you. We'll work that all out. We've got lots of happening in the life of the church. It's all exciting. It's great. But He will show you. And people are lazy because they want you to do the work for them. And as you just desire the things of God and you pursue Him, He will make it clear to you. Your gift becomes clear. He goes speaking to you in those verses. And what we're doing as a community is we are pressing into what God is saying to us, the mandate that He's given us. We're not trying to be like the church next door. We're walking what God has called us to do as a functioning body. To walk into all those parts coming together as one, and we set this vehicle in motion, and I don't think it's going to be a little city golf. It'll be a Bugatti Veyron. Aiden, you like the Bugatti Veyron, eh? Fastest car in the world, eh? That's right. And maybe, yeah, maybe we take a bus so we can all go together, eh? Coming together. Okay? And that key verse that God said to Moses in Exodus 3, he says, what will be the sign is that you will worship me on this mountaintop. You see, there's a process of walking in obedience. And as you look back upon your life, and you look back to all the victories, all the times you just said yes to God when you didn't understand it, He'll bring you back to that place of victory where you will worship Him on the mountain in a context. Worship Him saying, thank you, God. Yes, we're not out of the wilderness yet. We've got a long road to walk here, but you've redeemed us. You've redeemed me. You've set me free. That is the beginning point of us walking in on the things of God. Is He's done it for us. Like I've said here a few times, every other religion makes you start at the start line and then you run to finish. Our start line is the finish line. You get to run from the, fin- from the end. And justification is paid a price and you walk out sanctification for the rest of your lives. And God's been saying a lot of stuff to us. And we've had a few burning bush moments where God has spoken to us as a people. And over 25 years in this church, it said that we will dig a well. You say that here this morning? Wells. A well has been dug deep, deep. There he sits, worked and toiled hard to see the move of God in a place where the Spirit of God would touch people's hearts and lives and we grow from that place. 2011, we got a prophecy about becoming an estuary and walking to a place where it links to the ocean and God's opening things up. A greater place for an estuary is a place of life. An Elisha house in 2016, Chuck Pierce called over us and said, this will be an Elisha house, meaning there's an apostolic and a prophetic base that God wants to build on a people here because he wants to do great signs and wonders of the government structure that God has set in place here to do things in and through us. Okay? What God is doing. You remember this? Receive, train, and send were the words that we felt God say to us. Receive people. Train them up. Send them out. Okay, that can happen to the people that stay here, but we will host many things. People will come here and experience the goodness of God, and we will train them, and we'll send them back to their nation. We'll send them back to their community. There's so much of Sozo, what Sozo does, of that people are coming to look and to see what God is doing in the midst of all these churches. Prominent people, the World Bank even came and had a look at what God is doing and seeing in this place. There's a process of conversations, and then they go back out again. They don't know that we're training them and showing them, but we send them out with the goodness that God has done for us. That process will happen over and over and over and over again. It's key how we receive people. And then last year, 
crazy that it only feels like last year. Was it only last year? It feels like ever ago. We felt God give us the name change from Bay Community Church to Bay City Church. Now it's become a normal kind of flow that we're a part of, but this is the new name God's given us for us to walk into and to live up to the name that He's given us in this time. And then the process and conversations we've been having with leaders, and, I've, and I know on this, from this pulpit I've said these things here many times before, but God is showing us more and more about what it means to be a people that understand what it means to affect the seven spheres of society. You see, and this is a conversation we'll have to keep having, could keep help us to see, because we are so church in our thinking. But I'm, I'm a church. I'm stuck in church. I, everything I do is church. Yeah, but there's someone who needs to be in government. There's someone who needs to be in business. There's someone who needs to be in education. And I don't have Belinda's here, but th- this, is, this is how it works. It is, it's as simple as this. I see them, I don't know, the other day I'm taking the kids to a movie, and I see them sitting at the spur, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't been around. I'm like, relax. We're not that people who count and stuff how many times you've been here, but I've noticed you haven't been here for four weeks. It's okay. You know? <laughs> but she said, no, I've been doing nippers. I've been helping kids from Lavender Hill and Overcome, and they're doing nippers, and it's on a Sunday helping these kids achieve. I said, that's it. That's it. Taking what you have, the desire, she's, she's a family person. She loves to see kids raised up to be understanding their dreams and their answers. But to the key is that you're rooted and grounded into a community that you're not just doing your own thing. You're rooted and grounded somewhere where, where you feel connected and you are sent out as a person with the mandate to bring change. The mandate to bring solutions in every part of society. You see Michelle who's buzzing with the first days and Joe and all those young, kind of the heartful family. Serving the community of babies and moms and babies. And the whole dream that will come forward. That's education. She's, they're, they're, they're changing kids' lives and mothers' lives of just helping them to read stories to their kids. See how, see how simple it is when you break it down. And what we've done is we've made everything about the church. It is all about the church. There's this tension of, of actually it's not in these four walls. We've made this platform the goal. If I get up here, then I've made it. I'm telling you, eldership is not the goal. Eldership is a gifting and a call. And if it's a desire in your heart, then pursue it with everything you've got. But it's not the final goal. It might be that business guy. It might just be helping a family. This language has to become part of our DNA and understanding of how we live life. It's as, it's as simple as the, the, the value system that we live, of grounded as a people, making an impact into every single area. The arts and entertainment thing, RTDR, there's a buzz here with this stuff. We've got to put on shows that people can watch and feel the anointing of God. But it's not church songs. We're going to do it, Tina, but it's coming. The reality of what that does and affects lives of people, and they just see, wow, who are you? Wow, who are you people? You've heard this a thousand times. It's how we do it out there. It's how we make the influence. It's how we live from these positions of bringing change and bringing things to what God is saying to us. You see, it's also the reality of, well, I just, I just feel to be an intercessor and pray. Well, that's in the church. That's okay. There's a lane there called church. I know I'm in lane. I'm not in government. I'm here. Okay, if I was there, I would never be here. So then that's why I'm here, not there. Okay? And you find your lane. All the different functioning parts make the whole come together. So we want to release each other more and more to walk into this. And this, uh, I actually spoke this last year, March. This, that word called convergence. If you've got the green line going up, is your gifting. And the bottom line is your passion and desire to see things happen. If 
your gifting, you're not fully flourishing in the flowing, and it's up to like 25, 50, or we've got 125% here. That's a good number, right? Sorry, the, the graph got bigger. But if it was 100%. But if you, yeah, you know, I'm a gifting, I'm a kind of sure, and you hover halfway, yeah, I don't know what God's saying to me, and you're not really that passionate about it, you kind of give it half tilt and kind of stuff. You, you're hovering. You're not in that space with God. But where you find convergence is where your full gifting and the full flourishment of what God has got for you with a passion and a desire to see every part of influence changed and, and touched by the love of God because you're a kingdom ambassador bringing life to people's hearts. You live in that place called convergence where you go, I know why I'm here on earth. I know the purpose God has put me here for. Moses had that moment where he met God face to face and he spoke to him through a journey and he suddenly realized, I know now why I'm here. I am going to redeem a people. God is going to use me to, 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 to lead a people out of Egypt into the promised land. It took a long time, but he never let go of the promise. He never let go of the promise that God had said to him as he, as he learned to press in to the things of God. And that is our desire that each one of you you know, they say only 15 to 20% of the Christian world live in convergence. <laughs> Come on. And it's not a heavy now. We're, gonna, we're on a journey here. God's going to show us this, how to work it out. And then God's been speaking to us about the city. From last year, he started saying words of like, I'm setting you apart. I share my glory with no other. And I just want to share this as we wrap up. Sorry, it's time again. If I, I had a dream in last year... September, which I think was quite significant about what God is saying. And thank you, Neil, for reminding me that old men dream dreams. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I dreamt that what had happened in the dream was it was a massive circle of people. It was like our It was almost like it was us. And I saw this the, the, a massive circle of people joining hand to hand, making a massive circle. And the area was 42 kilometers to make this massive area of radius joining hand to hand. And you saw this massive thing. And in the dream, the words were, this is your allotted portion. This is your allotted territory. And then the picture next to the dream, and the, a link to that was probably about 2010. I don't know if you remember, we had, um, uh, the, or someone arranged this, this human chain from Simonstown to Cape Town and Main Road. And it was one long line of people. Yeah, it looks amazing. That's incredible. But in the dream, I had at the end of the line, people just let hands go and walked away. And the people at the beginning of the chain never knew the end broke off. That's why the circle is so key, uh, key because a, a chain is as strong as its weakest link. And by bonding together and standing, looking inwards to what God is actually doing in this, this is your allotted portion, this is your allotted territory. And I remember sharing that in September at an elders meeting. And, um, and Andres van Heerden, actually the prophetic guy, happened to be with us that Friday morning. We are chatting through it. And then when everybody left... And, and the words like 42 was the, the number that kind of stuck out to me in the dream. And things are always relevant in dreams. You can, you can prophesy the hangout of numbers, okay? You can, you can look out every single avenue and what they are. Okay, it's, it, we don't, we're not going that route, okay? But I can if you want me to. Um, but I, then I suddenly realized, but God's been speaking to me out of Isaiah 42. 42, that's interesting. And it says in Isaiah 42, I share my glory with no other. And I'm in another part, not only Isaiah 42, but it's the words where I'm setting you apart. I'm doing something with you as a people. Now, I tussled with that for a long time because it can sound arrogant. Like, God's setting us apart because you guys, we got it. God's doing something with it. It's not that. The Levites were a people that were set apart to do a certain function. There were 12 tribes, all with different roles. We are part of the bigger functioning body that has a role to play. 
And if we don't walk into that, we're not running according to the scroll that God's written for us. And then the number 42 was significant. Like, yeah, I share my glory with no other. That's exactly it. But then as we talk about it, we massage it and talk it through. I got an email from friends in the States. And for them too, it was also Isaiah 42, God's in spell. I was like, yes, that's such a confirmation. We're not the only people that are pursuing this. God's saying something to us as a people pursuing what he's saying. And then what happens in the beginning of Matthew... You read all the genealogy, the genealogy, genealogy of all the different names. It says four genealogy. Thank you for that. Matric with ease you got there. 14, 14 generations, 14 generations from Abraham right up to Jesus ends up being 42 generations. And, I th- and, and through Jeanette and in our elders' meetings, I felt God say, you see, there it is. You see, it says in those, I share my glory with no other. But now, John 17, Father... I share my glory with them. See, we live, we are the Jesus generation. I mean, you can put a term to it. The 70s was probably crazy with that. Jesus generation. But God is doing something with us that, that number 42 is just stuck out. So then about six weeks after this whole process, I'm like, but it was interesting that it said 42 kilometers. I'm like, what did that mean? Like 42 kilometers hands. So I was like, okay, let me check. From our building, see the little blue dot in the middle there? That's pretty close to where our building is. I measured what 42 kilometers is from that point going to different points around the city. And you know what? It goes just exactly to the extent of every part of the city, just outside Melkville Strand, just outside Durbanville, just outside of Somerset West, just outside of Stellenbosch and Gordons Bay, and then obviously the depth of the ocean. We'll all own all those fish too. We'll be able to do that. It'll be awesome. <laughs> And I felt God say to me, as I did that, I felt him say, I've given you the city. Okay? Now, now here's the story. This is, our, this is our burning bush moment. Does it look like we got any of it? Uh, a little bit, maybe. Not a lot. God's given us a little glimpse into what he wants to do with us, building out here, all the realities of what he wants to do for us. He's given us little signs, all those things. And now what? We've got to walk it out in faith. We've got to believe that he's saying to us, I'm giving you the city in the spirit, first and foremost. See, it's not a, a really, um, if you know me, I'm the last guy to grab it and, what's that? Name it, claim it, blab it, blab it and grab it. That's it. Name it and frame it. You see, this... But we've got to be obedient to what God's sending us. And we've got to walk into this with faith, saying, God, you've said it to us. Are you going to keep giving us? We've got stuff coming up in the next few weeks that is just a next step onto. Okay, I can see what you're doing with us, God. You're showing us more. See, and it's, a, and it's agreement in our hearts. Because when Moses got the mandate, it says, okay, now I want you to go back. And on his way there, I love this, how God works with this. Aaron's in Egypt. And God says to Aaron, Moses is in the wilderness. Go out and meet him. All right, okay, thanks. He hasn't seen Moses for like ever. And he just goes out and meets him. And they come back and speak to the elders. And they tell them that this is what God has said. They don't try and convince them. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm saying this is what God has said. And the response of the people was, of the elders went, who do you think you are, bro? You ran away from this, Johnny. You disappeared. The response was, God is speaking to us as Israel. And that says they bowed their heads in worship. Because they were afflicted. 
They were cast down. Man, the pressure Pharaoh is putting them, taking all the straw away, build the same amount of bricks, the pressure they were under. And I know you feel that the pressure we're under, the midst of this world, is a greater thing for us to see, people. It goes beyond our own little worlds. That's why I'm saying from the beginning, look down from heaven's perspective. And he's looking for a people who will go beyond just the understanding of, um, I'm saved. Okay, sure, I made it. I can just now live my life. I'm going to be okay one day. Do you want to get in like Mother Flames is licking you in? I don't. But a people who know he has shared his glory with them and they live from this place of kingdom influence that God has given us. So what I would do with all this information, okay, I want to tell you it's not information. It's the call of God on us. It's the mandate. He's saying, this is your burning bush moment. Are you going to believe me? To walk this thing out and to trust for all that I'm saying, you believe me as you walk out this kingdom mandate. Not by might, nor by power, but by His Spirit. That's how we walk. And as we learn to walk in this place, see Moses learned what it was to be in that place of Enopian. Enopian is a Greek word that means to be for the throne of God. That's why we do things like first fruits, people. Because there's a choice that has to be made in your hearts that nothing else is more important. Sunday is just the, 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 the momentum in our hearts and our lives. Kingdom lifestyle looks different. That's why we worship through the night, once a month, to say, God, nothing else matters. I'm choosing you. A lot of us are struggling to make that choice. Because you know why? You think it's another meeting. It's not a meeting. It's a place to get before the throne of God together. This individual spirituality we live, it's, it's the Western world's way of doing Christianity. You don't live your individual little life. Your little spark plug, good luck out there, pal. We're a body functioning together. And each one plays its part. You want to find that mandate? You want to feel what God's saying to us? Get before the throne of God. And Moses knew that. He knew this place. And the more he saw, the more he loved, the more he trusted the more he knew, the more he was convinced, the more he knew God would come through, the more he saw, the more he saw, he just knew. And then he was like, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to see all of you. <laughs> you can't see all of me. You, you're going to be fried. I'll just show you this, my back. His face shone. But now us with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being transformed to the image of his likeness and are taken from glory to glory. We are those people. That God is calling to us. Let's stand together. Let's just lift our hands to Him in response. And I know this was very focused on who we are as a people of God, but our, God is doing something with us as a people. And individually, you might have had your burning bush moments, but as a community, God has spoken to us and said, This is it. I'm laying it before you. Now, will you trust me? So, Lord, I want to thank you for every heart that stands in this room. That in their hearts, they know, they say, I'm a part of this functioning body. I give my heart to this community because I play a functioning part of what needs to happen in and through this community to see this vehicle, to see this body, to see this bride come alive in what you've got for us. Father, I want to speak over all distractions in lives. 
all the things that press into us and tell us the lies of you've got nothing to offer. You've got no part to play. Lord, we break those things off in your name, Jesus. And I speak a confidence to every heart here that as we pursue you, we see you. And as we see you, we see what you're doing. And we do the works that, as Jesus said, I saw the Father doing. Lord, we want to be those people that bring change, that bring the, the answers, the mandates into every part of society. I pray everyone that leaves here, that goes to work tomorrow, Lord, I pray they'd be a, a light bringer. I pray they'd shift an atmosphere in their offices, that they wouldn't come under the world system. They would bring and step over it. I want to speak to people like just like salespeople, like going, well, what am I going to do? You can be the light in that place. Just share the love of Jesus through who you are as a person. So, Father, we thank you for your grace upon us. We thank you that you're speaking to us very clearly. And we pray you'd lead us and you'd guide us into all the truths that you've got for us. Bless the guys that go to Zimbabwe this week. Father, I pray that as they walk into that nation, Lord, you'd open doors. You'd give clear mandate, clear understanding of all that you've got in store for us as we walk in faith of what you've got for us. We honor you and we bless you, King Jesus. Amen. 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 Have a good week.